0: Salutations, welcome back to another episode of the Decision Hour. I am your host, Adam Bird. And yeah, I'm uh, excited about the guest I have lined up for you today. Uh, This man is a PR genius. He's the mastermind, founder, and CEO of Red Bannon, like the tree. It's the uh, world-renowned PR agency that always knows what to say and when to say it. He's got 30-plus years of experience in navigating high-pressure situations. He uh, has provided strategic communications counsel to top business leaders, government officials, and presidential candidates. His approach is quite simple. He pressed the truth. He's also an author of two books, one on crisis communication, the other on cancel culture. You guys starting to figure out why I'm a little excited about having this guest today? I'm talking about none other than Mr. Evan Nierman. Evan, welcome to the show, and I appreciate you. How are you doing?
1: Thank you. It's good to be with you. I'm excited for the conversation today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, why don't we dive right into this again here?
0: <laughs> let's, let's, let's dive into and tell my listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Well, I'm I'm the founder of a firm called Red Banyan. We have two main types of clients, those who want to get in the media and those who need to get out. And that's a way to understand that we've got on the one side of the house, high stakes, crisis PR, specialization, yeah. SWAT team approach, jump in, defend clients, individuals, companies facing challenging circumstances. The other side of the house is Organizations who are looking for help accomplishing their goals, we provide for them a guide in how to utilize communications in yeah. order to get there. And so that's who we are. That's what we're about. And you know, my career has been pretty wide ranging and interesting. I started in Washington, D.C., spent 15 years there. A lot of the work that I did was having to do with foreign policy and politics and public affairs. When I moved out of D.C., I moved to Florida to work at a startup about 14 years ago, worked at the startup and then decided, hey, if these guys can start a business and grow a business, why can't I do that? And I'd I'd always had in mind, I wanted to have my own firm one day where I could build the team around me, because when I left my first job, I was looking for the right kind of place that shared my my values And that I was excited to go to work every day and had the right culture and the right people and mentorship. And I couldn't find it. So, the goal with Red Banyan from day one was to build the agency that I wished had been there for me when I was looking to work in public relations and and strategic comms. So, over the past 14 years, 12 years, um, that's what I've been doing at Red Banyan. And every day is an adventure. Like you said, our mission is to press the truth, which which essentially means how do we equip our clients in order to fight misinformation, dis- disinformation, convey a compelling story that's memorable and helps them get where they want to go.
0: Have you, Evan, have you always wanted to be in public relations? Is, is this something that, or was this something that just kind of happened a little bit later on in life? I mean, did you go to? through high school? Did you go to college? Did you go to college to be PR? Kind of walk us that step there moving forward.
1: Yeah. I always knew I was going to do something in communications. Yeah. Growing up, I grew up in in Northwest Louisiana and Shreveport and was always involved with, with writing and journalism and, and creative writing. So when I went to school, I selected George Washington University in DC and- I could lie to you and tell you it was because they had a lot of really good programs and they had a good communication school. But the fact is they guaranteed that I was going to be on the soccer team and I got a scholarship to play (laughs) soccer and and an academic scholarship. So it was like, you're going to bring me in for preseason? I'm on the team?
0: Yeah.
1: GW it is.
0: You're going to pay for my school? I got it. Okay. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to be in Washington. I don't, I don't applied for schools in Boston and and DC, but the cool thing about GW was we we had classes Monday to Thursday. If you took a foreign language, you had classes on Friday morning also, but you know, most of the students would go out pretty hard on Thursday nights and didn't have to get up early. All The the foreign language students, you had to be in the foreign language lab at 8 30 AM on Fridays and That was one of my regrettable decisions, perhaps, that I I did the foreign language study. But you know what? You could get through an hour, hour and a half. (laughs) The benefit of being in D.C., though, is you get to experience a lot of different organizations as an intern while you're still in school. And so I always knew that I was going to do something in communications. That was my major. I just didn't know what exactly. And it was one of three or four internships that I had that turned into my first full-time gig. Now, I didn't know I wanted to do crisis PR until Mm -hmm. the organization that I was working for found itself through no fault of its own in a crisis. And I was the point person in-house internally. And so when they brought in outside experts in crisis communications, I got to work with them directly. And when I saw what these guys were doing, I'd already been feeling like I was bumping up against the ceiling where I was. And I said, yeah. this is what I got to do. And, and so I, I I knew that that was going to be the path for me.
0: Can you give an example? You say crisis PR. Can you give an example of what a crisis PR situation would look like for the listeners?
1: Yeah, it really runs the gamut and depends on the organization. And yeah. what one, one company may consider a crisis, another could consider a catastrophe, like a <laughs> on steroids and, right. and some... a little bit more relaxed about it and they'd say oh that's not really a crisis it's just kind of an annoyance but it really runs the gamut and the the types of situations that my team handles go from everything from how to deal with negative reviews online or disgruntled employees posting to social media all the way up to embezzlement of money by top execs or unregistered sex offenders serving in COO capacities and getting arrested in front of the staff to murder suicides to all manners wow. of craziness that I can't even begin to get into today. Right. Yeah. I, I I frankly got tired of, of, of always getting these questions. Of, What's the craziest situation you ever dealt with? Yeah. And honestly, I dealt with so many of them that I, I wrote a bunch of them down in my first book called uh, Crisis Averted. So if if people want to hear some horror stories, I protect the privacy of the individual. So it'll be hard to figure out who I'm talking about, but every one of those scenarios and situations is real.
0: What do you think the biggest issue in the media or PR is today? And I know that's kind of a very vague, loaded question, but I did that on purpose.
1: (laughs) There's a method to your madness. There is. Well, obviously, I thought, and I still feel that one of the biggest issues is cancel culture. And that's why my latest book is focused exclusively on cancel culture. And in that book, The Cancel Culture Curse, I make the argument that it's a fundamentally un-American endeavor because it deprives people of due process. It infringes upon people's abilities to have free speech and- it it limits debate, public debate. We're supposed to be a democracy right. that thrives when people with opposing views can, in a civil way, have a discussion, debate the issues, and then leave it to others who may be observing to decide. And what cancel culture has done is it has really upended a lot of that. And it's it's created a situation where – Everyday citizens, men and women, small business owners, people who are working at at larger enterprise level companies, they get caught in a situation and sometimes a a piece of video is taken out of context or a social media post goes viral. They make a mistake or even in some cases they haven't done anything. It's mistaken identity or a false accusation. And then these people's lives get permanently destroyed. You Google them, moving forward, all you see is the negative. They're recipients of vitriolic hatred and threats coming at them through email and text and social media. And it's really a despicable process. And I I just think that as a country, we need to recognize how damaging cancel culture is and we need to not celebrate it. We need to fight against it. We need to end it. We need to relegate it to the dustbin of history because- whether you're looking at historical figures and trying to analyze and assess them through a modern lens or you're just going out of your way to attack a fellow citizen it's wrong i agree 100%
0: with you and and but here's here let me ask you this in the we live in the digital age right now and social media is i mean if you're if you're a business i'm not a, i'll be honest and i've said this before uh, and you guys listening you guys know I'm not a big social media fan I don't I don't if I could not be on it and still you know if I if I didn't have to be on it I feel like social media nowadays is a a necessary evil when you're a business owner now I'm not saying that it is all social media bad no I, I I've connected with people that I've served with that I haven't seen in 20 years you know family members and stuff that i don't really get to see uh, every four or five years I get you keep in touch so there's a, a that positiveness with it but i feel like there's so much negativity and there's so much garbage and and you're talking cancel culture right now like i can't help but to think okay you say cancel culture That could be anybody. Anybody could cancel or try to cancel someone or start a campaign to cancel somebody. And it it could be, you know, the eight year old neighbor that you have because he didn't like what you said on a video game or something like this. So he tries canceling it to, you know, certain agencies in this company who will remain nameless that start something. And that just trickles down into a much larger thing. And that's, yeah, that's another story for another day, but but it's it's I feel like you can't say anything or do anything. And when you do something, you really have to strategically think about okay, what is it that I'm posting and is it going to a of, offend somebody or or B is is somebody gonna take it the wrong way? And I think the answer is is it's probably yes on both occasions, no matter how you twist it, because somebody's gonna get mad that you said something even though you have the right to say it am i am i wrong
1: no you're you're spot on and in fact i think there are a lot of folks out there who would agree with you that if if they had the choice they would not participate business wise on social media but it is a necessary evil it's something that every every business of every size has to participate in because right. otherwise You're out of the conversation or people don't view you as legitimate, et cetera. It is a necessary evil. The point that you made, which is really spot on, is before you post on social media, you need to just pause for a moment and you need to carefully consider what it is that you're going to say there because – Yes, there are, you, you always run the risk, no matter what, you know, I could go on today and say, I'm posting a picture of this beautiful green tree because green is my favorite color. And then someone will come back and say, how dare you uh, talk about the color green that way? You know, there's a reason why green is the color of Hamas. They're a terrorist organization. Is what you're saying? That you are a fan of Hamas? Answer that question. Yeah. So you you can get caught in these things. I mean, I'm. I'm and it's I'm, the dumbest stuff sometimes too. <laughs> it's often super dumb. And look, I don't mean to be making light of of you know. I guess Hamas was was came straight to my head because well, of a current, current event of what's going current on. event. Right. And and I don't in any way mean to 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 be flip about. Um, And we're
0: folks. To be clear, we're not laughing about the situation or 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 whatnot. And by the time this comes out, we all you know it's been a few weeks, but it that's not the route that we're taking. So don't take what we're saying out of context.
1: Yeah on the on the contrary, and and look, I guess if there are any listeners who are who are taking what we're saying out of context and then decide that they're angry about it and want to come after us, that would just illustrate the proving our point. We're talking about. Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) Um, but at the end of the day, there are certain issues that as a business owner or as an employee for a company, you're going to want to avoid on social media. So the ones that you know are the most contentious, just as a rule of thumb, don't talk about them as so much. Right. Politics, social issues, um, especially on, on the most contentious ones, whether it's abortion or the rights of of you know trans athletes things of that nature you're going to get very impassioned people on both sides of that debate and if you can avoid it you do well to do so and so it's very hard though because we're we're in a damned if you do damned if you don't so you can avoid those issues and then someone will inevitably come to you and say well you know what's your opinion on this or why aren't you expressing support for this viewpoint right and so it's very tricky and and the biggest problem is everyone's got one of these smartphones in their pocket in their purse and so everyone's a reporter and anyone at any moment can take out their phone they can capture something and then they can post it to the internet right and then you can have people who have nothing better to do than to look for a default to outrage to get involved in a campaign to take somebody down And they sort of relish the opportunity to pile on when people are getting critiqued online. And it's sad, but you see it happen day in, day out. And until we as a nation decide we're not going to let cancel culture rule our lives, we're not going to allow people to get canceled, people have the – the right to have opinions, they shouldn't be outed, they shouldn't be doxxed, they shouldn't be targeted by these cancel vultures who, who like to pick other people apart. Until we really decide as a society that we're just not gonna take it anymore, it's gonna continue to happen. And in some cases, these are people who've done things for which they should be held to account, but keep this in mind. The next time someone comes to you and they talk about cancel culture as being this great thing because it holds people accountable, I would remind them that there have always been mechanisms by which you can hold people to account. And you can go and you can go to an HR department. You can file a report. You can actually have a conversation with the person. Oh my gosh, crazy idea. Very novel approach, huh? You can actually talk to someone. You could even, if you're wronged, you could file a lawsuit. You could report them to law enforcement if they've broken the law. The point is there are a million one ways to hold people accountable and calling them out online and rallying other people to try to bomb them with one-star reviews or to dox them or to SWAT them. You don't need any of that stuff.
0: We uh saying in the military and a lot of the veteran community, we call those keyboard commandos uh, that like to, <laughs> to, to, to go out and, you know, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. And I can't help but to ask, and I've been trying to figure out how to ask you this question, but when it comes to cancel culture, I feel like that term has been more recent. And by recent, I mean within the last five, six years, we'll say.
1: Yeah, it has. It it,
0: it started coming kind of, and I I feel like it was provoked or created by social media organizations out there. I'm not going to say whom, but... Um, you know, it doesn't take a, a genius to figure out. Maybe you know, all of a sudden you have certain facts checkers, or you have certain this or that that come in and 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 they they say, okay, well that's wrong. You can't say that. We're going to cancel you. We're going to shadow ban you, and then we're just going to close your account without without any explanation. It's almost it's almost like, well, I'm not working for you. It's not like it's not like it's a right to work state where I'm like I'm I'm exercising my freedom of speech. I'm not saying anything that's hurting anybody, although some people do that, but i'm 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 using examples of you say something like you said, you use the uh, that tree is green. and then somebody gets offended because you said it's green and not blue or red or brown or or whatever have you. And then they tie it into whatever uh, you know, fairyland they live in to make it easier for them to consume.
1: You can't have cancel culture pre-internet and pre-smartphone. And that's why it didn't exist. So people want to know why is cancel culture happening right now? The answer is because there's a 24-7 news cycle, because people are on their social media all day, every day, because there's more political stratification in this country than at any time before. You've had social movements, including... Black Lives Matter and the Me Too movement, which have attempted to call people out and to target them and to to point out behavior that they think uh, people need to be held to account for. And they've morphed. And and what you end up with is this steaming cauldron of all these elements. And what does it cook up? It cooks up cancel culture. And the reason we haven't had it before is because we didn't have the, the, the keyboard commandos as you call them which I, I like I like that term so I'm gonna borrow it they say uh you you know R and D you know what R and D stands for right okay so most people think of R and D in the context of of research and development okay yes, yes yes I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say in this case I'm gonna use it as a rip off and duplicate ah so nice I'm, I'm gonna borrow your <laughs> I like your that one. phrasing here <laughs> but the point is this is a new phenomenon, and the reason it's happening now is because we as a country have have gotten so divided and our politics is also a contributing factor. All of these things combined create a perfect storm and it creates an environment where, where cancel culture can thrive. And you know, my hope as a as a proud patriotic American is we can and we should do better and part of what cancel culture does is it makes you treat your fellow citizens like they're the enemy right and they're not even people on the opposite side of a political debate or have a different opinion on a on a certain issue that doesn't mean that you should be out to destroy them politics shouldn't be a zero-sum game and frankly i think our leadership especially in congress has set a terrible example for the population and i think that You know, People are are paying attention to the most strident voices on both the left and the right. You got members of Congress especially who love to see themselves on TV, and they love to be in the middle of a controversy. And they spend more time sowing discord and firebombing their opponents and trying to own the other side than they are actually come together and solve problems as a country. And frankly, it concerns me in a geopolitical sense as well because – You know, our enemies love this. Yes. Russia, China, when we're picking ourselves apart, when we're tearing ourselves open from the inside out, all we're doing is seeding ground on the global stage and giving them an opportunity to see some of where America should be owning the stage. Evan,
0: I can't help but to think that it's orchestrated sometimes though i and, and correct me if i may maybe maybe you or maybe you don't feel the same way but i feel like can't cancel culture is being used as a tool by people in government to to kind of continue to separate
1: and divide us as a society well we know that that foreign actors so misinformation and disinformation as a way to weaken the united states i mean the intelligence community was very clear about, for instance, Russia and the role that it was playing in the run-up to national elections right. in sowing discord. So there's there's no doubt about that. That's not a a theory. It's it's a fact. I I, I love that. So let me ask you this.
0: And and you kind of hit on it earlier. Cancel culture. Is it
1: a threat to free speech? Of course. I mean, all it does is try to shut down free speech. I'll, t- I'll tell you a, an anecdote from just a week ago. So I was invited to debate cancel culture with someone who thinks it's a great thing. And this person wrote a book about cancel culture and, and the essentially makes a couple of key points. One is everything is cancel culture. Cancel culture, according to him, has been going on forever. The, the Boston Tea Party was cancel culture, Adam and Eve, that was cancel culture. I mean, it it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. W- with that sort of reasoning, you could say any, any conflict is cancel culture. So in a war, one side's canceling the other. It's nonsensical. But the part that's really offensive to me is the book also makes the case that if, if progressives are canceling conservatives, it's okay it's good because it's ultimately good for society because you're you're fighting back against a patriarchal uh white cisgender heteronormative cabal of people that want to deprive everyone else of of having a voice that's that's the theory on the hard left of why cancel culture is so great meanwhile that same author is making the case that if if conservatives employ cancel culture it's terrible because they're, they're really trying to turn back the clock to a, an earlier age where a bunch of white guys uh, were in control. And if you read my book, my book is nonpartisan. It critiques cancel culture as a practice. I don't think you can make an argument that has one bit of credibility if you say, cancel culture, good for me, bad for thee. No, that's ridiculous. The practice itself is bad. And so I, I critique the left and the right in my book. It's not yeah. a political book, but I, I do hit the politicians. And one thing that's really interesting is, you know, you brought the political leadership into the conversation. Politicians are actually very hard to cancel versus everyday citizens. And the reason is one of the main, main elements that makes cancel culture so impactful is when you're being canceled no one wants to back you up everyone's afraid they don't want to defend you because the mob might come for them next and so i hear this day in day out when we're working with people who've been victims of cancel culture their own family members abandon them their employers fire them fast because they just don't want the heat coming on them politicians though they have a built-in support system So one, they've already been elected by the people in their districts. Mm -hmm. So if people online hate their guts and want to try to cancel it, it doesn't matter. The only way they can really be canceled is if the voters vote them out. And at the same time, because our politics has become so tribal, there's a default to support the members of your team. So if you're a Republican and someone's trying to cancel a fellow Republican, it's very, you say, yeah, I got your back. I'm going to back them up and the same for the Democrats. Right. And so it, it makes politicians largely immune from cancel culture because they have a squad of people who, who are gonna be backing them up no matter what because they wanna hold on to political power. And I, I think one of the most interesting examples yeah. of cancel culture where a politician did get canceled, and I tell this story in the book, is, is Senator Al Franken from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And ultimately the reason he got canceled after these ridiculous pictures came of him pretending to grope a woman and, and these allegations, none of which were proven, but that asserted that he tried to, that he made women uncomfortable, or, you know, one person said he looked like he was going to kiss me. So therefore he was, you know, it was predatory behavior. The reason Al Franken lost his job is because he, his own teammates didn't have his back and, and the Democrats, especially in the Senate were, were basically unwilling to back him up, and and they were were saying that they were ready to get rid of him. So, he, because he didn't have his own team, uh, he got canceled. That's and- such
0: a great example to use, Evan. I'm so glad you brought that up. I, I don't real quick. You, we brought up the, I want to talk a little bit more about it, but you brought up the book, uh, "The Cancel Culture Curse: From um From Rage to Redemption in a World Gone Mad." Tell people where they can find it, where they
1: can purchase it. On anywhere you buy books, okay. Amazon, Audible, Barnes and Noble, you name it. You and, you can and I'm it. I'm a big uh, uh Audible guy. I, I
0: listen to a lot of books. In fact, I got it. I like, I just got it this morning, uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to listening, uh, to this. And and for the listeners, real quick, if they want to get in touch with you, follow you. I'm assuming social media. Why don't you give them how they can connect with you?
1: That's right. I too have to uh, participate in that necessary evil. So, you know, look for me on LinkedIn. You can find me on, on X, uh, at Evan Neerman is my name. Very simple. If you go to cancelculture.com, you'll get information. I've got some downloadable resources there for, for parents, for how to talk to kids about safe use of the internet, suggestions for how business owners can prevent themselves from being canceled, or you can just, uh, Go to redbanyan.com and you, I'm easy to find. I love it. I love it.
0: And folks, we're gonna have all of his uh you know contact information and what in the show notes uh, listed below. Evan can in, with cancel culture with businesses. You know, I've I've experienced a lot. I, I own several, several businesses, but you know, the media company, we've been shadow banned, we've had things shut off just random with no explanation. Uh, at times, is there a way to bounce back? So if if there's a brand or an individual or a company out there that that gets canceled, is there a way to bounce back from that? And if so, what are some tips that you can give them?
1: There are ways. and And the number one thing that you have to do if you find yourself in the crosshairs is you have to make this big leap mentally to say, I refuse to be canceled. I'm not going to be cowed. And that's kind of step one and everything stems from that. You have to be willing to get in the conversation and it's very hard to do. It's easier. It's easy for me to say that sitting on a podcast with you today when I'm not under fire, mm-hmm. but when people are are under attack and they're getting death threats on their voicemails and text messages and on their wall on Facebook and all these other things, it's a, it's, it's a very disconcerting time and people's people's inclination is to basically go into their shell and to pull a turtle move. Right. It's the worst thing to do because a turtle, when it goes in its shell, when an 18 wheeler is bearing down on it, it's just going to get flattened. Yeah. And that's what happens if you are unwilling to engage. So as uncomfortable as it may be, if you find yourself under fire, you have to be willing to fight back. And there are ways to do that. You've got to be willing to convey the facts um, as you understand them and the truth, not yeah. let misinformation get out there. If you have an opportunity to to engage with a crisis PR expert, obviously that's, that's helpful. But if you don't have the means by which to do that, correcting misinformation and being assertive is really important. The other thing I would caution people against is there's this knee-jerk reaction to want to apologize. And if you've actually done something for which you do owe an apology, well, figure out to whom you should be apologizing and then making that apology is okay. But what what cancel culture has done is it has changed for for the present time in this country, the calculation about apologizing when you're under fire. And the reason is many times with cancel culture, the, the people who are demanding an apology, they're not they're not owed an apology right. they're actually not a party to the conflict or the controversy at all and so i would caution against feeling like you're gonna somehow release the pressure valve by apologizing if these if the people don't deserve an apology because right. what can't what happens with cancel culture is if you apologize you're essentially admitting that you did something wrong whereas it used to be in our society Normal people could say, okay, he made a mistake, she made a mistake, they apologized, we forgive and we move forward and they learn from it. In a cancel culture world, all mistakes are permanent. If you were to do something to me and apologize, I would say I reject your apology and see, you admitted that you're a bad guy. You told the world. So we are therefore justified in attacking you because you admitted it yourself. You're a bad guy and you did something stupid. So now whatever happens to you, you made your bed, you're going to lie in it.
0: Uh, <laughs> and I own that. I agree with you in a sense of don't always apologize because I'm not one to to apologize. I I will apologize if it turns out that I was wrong and I'm because I am man enough to admit if I'm wrong but I'm not going to apologize because I hurt your feelings or whatnot. I'm I'm the type of person like you might not like what I have to say, but at least I'm being honest. So, you know, I'm being real. And I think that's, I think we, we've, we've blanketed society with these feel good emotions and, and, and and whatnot. You know, I remember when I was a kid, you know, a swift kick in the, in the backside or a on the side of the head, just kind of straighten you out a little bit. I turned out all right. And, you know, nowadays it's like, you know, uh, go to your, you know, you have your safe spaces and you have your safe words and you have this trigger, and that.
1: trigger warning. Yeah. Your
0: trigger warning. Like, oh, I get triggered. Then don't, then here's the thing. If I trigger you and I'm, I'm going to say this right now, if I trigger you or something, uh, you don't agree with me. Great. Let's have a conversation. If you're not willing to have a conversation and you still get triggered by me, then don't listen to the show. It's not going to hurt my feelings. Right. I that, I don't fair. care, I don't, I don't. Now I am I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm not, and I'm not saying that, and my listeners know this, uh, but those of you that if you're listening for the first time, I'm not the type of person that goes out there and tries to say something to be arrogant or pompous or or mean in any type of way. I'm just me. You either like me, or or you don't. Either way, it's your opinion. Great. You're certainly entitled to it. Here's the other thing. If you don't like what I say, there's a little X on either the right or the the top left of your computer. You can switch. You can go watch something else or listen to something else. You have a right to
1: do that, just as much as I have a right to be here saying what I'm saying. 100%, and that's why… When when the cancel vultures want to deplatform, they want to silence people whose opinions they don't agree with. That's wrong. That's right. fundamentally unAmerican. Like you said, watch a different station, listen to a different podcast. Don't tune in. I, I think one of the other elements, uh, you know, when I was talking earlier about all these things that are contributing to a society that would would think that cancel culture is somehow okay. Yeah, it, we have moved to a right now. We celebrate victimhood in this oh. country. And and the notion of safetyism and and that people are that words are are violence. And therefore, if, if you say something that offends someone, you're committing violence against them. It's a laughable and asinine assertion. And we've got to move past it because, you know, we're in a race now to the bottom as to who can be the biggest victim. And there was a time where in America. You know, we had certain certain sayings like you know, keep a stiff upper lip, and we celebrated rebounds. We liked Rocky Balboa. We liked underdogs, people who who made mistakes or or hadn't you know had a chance to redeem themselves, and we liked that and we celebrated that. And it was an American ideal. And instead, right now in our society, it's you know I've, I've got some grievance, perhaps it's historical. You, your grandparents did something to my grandparents or something happened, you know, 10 years ago and I'm still mad about it. And it's, you know, there's a good case of of cancel culture that I talk about in the book where a couple of professors at Yale and Yale sent out an email to the student population suggesting to them that they be careful and be culturally sensitive in their Halloween costumes and don't offend other people. And one of the Yale professors sent out that email with with some commentary on the top and said, "Look, I, I think this is kind of silly. You guys are young adults. You should, you know, be respectful of other people, but if, you know, I don't think it's up to the university to put, be policing uh, college students, college students costumes. and just, you know, if you don't like someone's costume, you know, have a conversation with them about it. Tell them why it offends you. And what ended up happening was, The students went completely mad over this, and they attacked the professor and her husband at Yale. There's a video online of them surrounding, and, and they're basically saying, you know, you're supposed to make this a safe space. You're a terrible person. You should be fired. And they're screaming at the person. And ultimately, after, you know, over a decade at Yale, they had to resign. They had to leave, forced out all because they said look we shouldn't tell people what they want to wear in their Halloween costumes and you know if if you're offended say something about it
0: there, there's a big problem on college campuses all over the country just for 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 that reason and and one could argue and we we'll get into it now but I will say I think a lot of it you know deals with parenting and stuff like that I think we we've become a generation or a certain generation I was a single parent for 15 years my son, you know I'm brag about him real quick but he he you know scholarship is at a private christian university on an ROTC scholarship for the army i didn't do that it was because of his hard work now i i laid the foundation for him to do that i wouldn't let him get away with stuff whereas a lot of some of his friends who didn't have the discipline are yeah you know, flipping burgers or doing this or that and there's nothing let me there's nothing wrong with that because I know some of you out there are like oh what's wrong with that nothing there's nothing wrong good on you for having a job first off because there's a lot of people out there that want to just you know suck on the proverbial teat of the government that you know but we've become such a, a lazy society and and it's like, well, I'm going to believe what social media says, or I'm going to believe what this organization says. So it must be true. Well, I I looked it up on on Google, so it must it must be true. There's everything lot, on the
1: internet is true. Yeah, it's like
0: it's like you got to be shitting me, people. Like, take what we're saying, and and you know, I'm not. And you listeners, again, I'm always one to tell you, don't believe everything that I say. I'm just giving you tools that you guys can look up and come to your own conclusion. I really want to change the mindset. We've become our society has taken the mindset of I have to believe what they are telling me. No, you don't. Think for yourself. We don't have to agree on it, but that doesn't mean we can't go have coffee or 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 sit down and have a meal and then discuss it, as Evan brought up earlier. Use 100%. your brain, guys. Use your brain. I mean, it's a, it's a, and that's the beauty of it. We live in the greatest country of the world. I will, I, I, I firmly believe that. But we've become lazy, and we've become almost sheep-like, where we're following. Oh, these people are running this way, so we're going to run with them. Or, Why are they running that way? Ask questions. There's nothing wrong with it. Let's get back into into that and. Evan, we're, we're wrapping up on time. We're coming up on time here. And, and, and again, thank you so much. I've been a big fan and this is, this is truly a, uh, it's been a great, great day for me. So, uh, I, I, very much appreciate you coming on the book, the cancel culture curse from rage to redemption, uh, in a world gone mad, certainly a fitting title in, in today's, uh, uh, world. You can get his book anywhere you go to Amazon, we're going to put his website up here as well. Um, But before we let you guys go, we have a a special giveaway and I will put the URL in the show links uh, below, but 10 ways to prevent you or your business from being canceled. So thank you for that, uh, Evan. Uh, We're going to make sure that the listeners get that um, as well. Any parting words before we let you go today?
1: Well, I agree with you. We we are blessed and we are fortunate to live in a great democracy. And I just want to be very clear about one thing, which is America isn't perfect. We never have been. However, that is does not mean that uh, this is a terrible place. It's fundamentally flawed, that it's irredeemable. I don't buy into any of that. I believe we can defeat cancel culture. I do believe that eventually we are going to hit rock bottom in terms of the way that we interact with one another in our politics, yeah. and when that happens, there's nowhere to go except up. And I still have total belief in this country. I believe that we can, we must, and we will do better, and we will prevail because that's what we've done since 1776, and I'm I'm proud. Of this country, I appreciate your service and the service of of everyone, men and women who who volunteer for the armed services um, to to represent our country, to protect us, and to keep our liberty strong. So, I just want to express my my gratitude to you and to oh, all you. of your listeners for for all that you do to uh, keep this as a as, as a bastion of of freedom. And and I just want to thank you for the opportunity to speak with you today.
0: Oh, thanks, Evan. I very much appreciate it. Folks, that's all the time that we got today. Uh, Before we let you go, we got to give a shout out to our parent network, Heroes Media Group. Uh, Go check out all the podcasts, all the new articles that are going up there, heroesmediagroup.com. Until next time, you've been listening to The Decision Hour.